0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Home Barista Podcast for Home Baristas with me, your host Sean, aka the and Barista. Oh, here we are, episode two. Episode two of the Home Barista Podcast for Home Baristas with me, your host Sean, aka the and Barista. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back. Welcome back, all you beautiful coffee lovers. I hope that everyone is well wherever you are. I hope that you're safe. Um, I hope that you are caffeinated. I hope you're fed. Whatever you need to do to feel good about yourself, I hope that you've done it and you're feeling good. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning back in for episode two. And in today's episode, we are going to be finding out A little more about me, um, about Sean uh, and what makes me tick and also going to be touching on why I became a barista and what got me into the coffee industry. So in episode one is a little recap for those of you that missed it. In episode one, we spoke a lot about the drumming barista and why I created the drumming barista, uh, the reason behind it, the mandate behind the drumming barista. But yeah, today I wanna talk to you guys about me. I want you to get to know me a little bit more and about my coffee career, about my barista career, as a lot of you ask me questions about that quite often. Uh, But before we jump in, guys, I would absolutely love it if you could please do me a massive favor and hit that follow or subscribe button on whichever podcast platform that you are listening to this on. Uh, What that does is that it helps you guys as the listeners be notified every time I drop a new episode so that you don't miss out because you don't want to miss out on this podcast. Trust me, this is the place to be. Um, And once you have hit the uh, subscribe or follow button please guys share it around to your social medias that would be amazing get as many people onto this podcast as we can because coffee is a beautiful thing and we all love coffee so much and we want everyone around us to enjoy great coffee I do anyway I hope you guys do anyway push all that to the side without further ado let's jump in to episode two right now (music) How good is that little jingle, though? I love that song. Um, I don't know why I did that to begin this episode, but here we go. I'm getting loose on this podcast, people, and it is fantastic. All righty, guys. So here we go. We're going to jump straight into episode two. Um, So to talk about me. Now, let's face it. As humans, we find it quite hard to talk about ourselves, eh? And... um, I thought long and hard about what to say in this podcast. So I'm actually going to be reading from a couple of my notes that I've um, taken and that I've written down for you guys, just because it then allows me to uh, allows me to keep on topic, I suppose, which is the main thing. So to begin with, allow me to take you back to 16 year old Sean. Yeah, that's right. One six. I'm 28 years old now, for those of you that didn't know that, Um, take you back to 16 year old Sean, where my my first coffee experience uh, was when I was at home and my lovely mum, Denise Tiernan. mum if you're listening, hello, she probably will be listening guys so even though you won't be able to say hi to her but say hi to my mum, hi mum, hi Denise, uh, so my first coffee experience was with, um, was with a product in the UK. Uh, that you can get over here in New Zealand as well. It's under a different name, but I can't remember what it is. But in the UK, it is called Camp Coffee. Now, some of you may notice, essentially what it is, is that it's a coffee-flavoured, concentrated syrup. Um, I'm not actually sure if there's any coffee in there, if there's any caffeine in there. Um, But it's coffee-flavoured, coffee and chicory-flavoured, actually. And um, what my mum would do is that she would um, fill up a big mug uh, that we would have in the house, fill it up with milk. And um, for our sins, sorry, mum, she would put put the cup of milk in the microwave to warm up the milk. (laughs) Pretty old school way, I suppose. But hey, it worked and it tasted delicious. And then I'm not sure if she would measure it. Probably not, but she would pour a certain amount of this so-called camp coffee, the coffee concentrate, into the actual um, warmed milk, I suppose, from the microwave. Uh, So essentially creating me a latte, but not with steamed milk, with warmed milk and not with any latte art. But I wasn't expecting that from my mum because at the age of 16, I didn't even know what latte art was. That was an interesting experience and that's what got me into coffee because it was a great introduction I suppose and was a great way to taste what coffee potentially could taste like Um, and I suppose I'm taking that off of just like a random thought I suppose like what coffee could taste like Um, I'm not 100% sure but that's what I had and that's where it started and then of course you then graduate from something similar to that to instant coffee. And my very first experience of an instant coffee was a coffee that I brought from a a major supermarket in the UK that is called Tesco. Um, And I can remember it vividly. It came in like a silver foil bag and it had a blue logo on the front of it. And it was a single origin Colombian. Um, Now... (laughs) Back then, uh, don't ask me how much of that coffee was actually Colombian. um, And also don't ask me how much of it was actually a single origin. Like I wasn't looking at the bags then. I wasn't looking at labels. um, Didn't really care, I suppose, just being real with you guys. Being honest, didn't really care. Um, But I think I didn't care because I didn't know. Um, And you can't care about something that you don't really know about. So yeah, that was my first experience of an instant coffee, which I have to say was actually very nice. Uh, It was quite pleasing. Um, And obviously, you know, back then I wasn't playing around with water temperatures. I wasn't playing around with scales. I wasn't weighing anything. So I was purely just boiling the kettle and popping a heaped teaspoon of instant coffee. (laughs) Oh man, a heaped teaspoon of instant coffee uh, into my cup and then pouring my freshly boiled water all over that instant coffee so essentially burning it but I didn't know then did I you know I was only 16 um and then the next stage of that coffee journey was I passed my driver's test and so I got my very first car and then that's when the service station trips with friends um after after work um, after church after social events um where we would go to the service station, the local service station. For those of you who potentially haven't been to the UK, service stations are a big thing. Um, so they're everywhere, but they're essentially just like a little mini um, food Food market, I suppose, a mini supermarket in a way as well. That it's just based all along the highway, the motorway as it's called in the UK, and they would have multiple different stores: food stores, um, KFC, McDonald's, Starbucks, Costa, uh WH Smith. For those of you who are from the UK listening to this, you'll know what I mean. Um, but that's where I then got it got introduced to Starbucks, the wonderful world of Starbucks, and. I'm just going to come out and say it guys like Starbucks gets a lot of stick and don't get me wrong I give them a lot of stick myself but without Starbucks and without what they did I personally feel like the speciality coffee scene and the coffee industry that we know or a lot of what we now know wouldn't have been wouldn't have been born without what Starbucks did. I suppose, like the way that they did espresso and the way that they tried different things and then they brought all these different single origins in and all these different beans and um, roast types and everything that we now potentially take for granted, Starbucks was one of the first people to do it. Now, somebody send me a DM on Instagram or email me or phone me or text me if you've got my number and please tell me if I've got that completely wrong. Um, but from what I've read and research I've done that is what I have come up against and yeah so I think in a way we just have to take we just have to take a second sometimes and take a step back and actually thank Starbucks for, for what they've done and also um, the pathway that they've paved for all of us to walk down like baristas that have been a barista for a long time baristas that have been working as a barista for a short space of time All of us would have had an experience at some point in our coffee career and coffee journey with Starbucks um, or Costa or any other big coffee chain or coffee franchise that is within the countries that you are in. So, yeah, to go back to that service stations and Starbucks and my first car, that's where that side of the coffee industry became a thing for me and I remember ordering the caramel frappuccinos, the caramel macchiatos, Uh, in summertime the caramel frappuccinos with the extra caramel syrup just because you can, because it tastes good and trust me it does taste good, let's face it, who doesn't like a sweet caramel syrup, like come on, if you don't then I think something's a little bit wrong, right? Who's with me on that one? I'm also just going to pop this in there too. Starbucks has a bit of a special place in my heart as it was um, the very first place that I took my now wife for our first date. Um, But I remember vividly our very first date was in Starbucks in our local town. And we sat there for hours talking just over a couple of hot drinks. Um, And it it was a great time. And then fast forward, probably, I don't know, I'm sheesh, like this was a long time ago, right? I'm trying to think back, like, as I said, I'm 28 now. So I'm trying to think back 12 years, but I would say probably six months to a year after really getting into Starbucks was when I brought my very first piece of coffee equipment and like every other amazing coffee person out there, uh, that was a plunger or a French press whatever you'd like to call it. And that's also where I brought my very first bag of freshly ground coffee. Um, I can't remember what it was. Multiple bags of coffee were consumed. It was probably, let's face it, probably something from Starbucks or probably something from my local Tesco supermarket that was already pre-ground. Been sitting there for a couple of months, so stale as. uh, (laughs) Potentially wouldn't have tasted very good. Um, But... You know, back in those days, I was all about it. And at the end of the day, it's how a lot of our coffee journey started. So, yeah, I brought a French press, um, a plunger, and, yeah, just started experimenting, put my heaped tablespoons of coffee in, filled it right to the top, uh, waited for three to four or five minutes, and then I plunged it, and then I enjoyed that exceptionally dark, disgustingly over-extracted coffee. Um, Bitter as heck, because... You know, you put in however many heaped tablespoons of pre-ground coffee in there um, and not really understanding it, not really knowing it, like with water temperatures and stuff. And then um, about a year after that, I remember this very well, but a year after that, parents brought home a very cheap espresso machine um, that was back in the day. It was on the box. It was called a cappuccino machine. And I'm like, well, why would it only be doing cappuccinos? Like you're pulling an espresso shot so you can now do espressos and flat whites and long blacks and Americanos and all those great things. But yeah, for some reason on the box, it said cappuccino maker. But I was so intrigued by this because I was like, wow, such a compact thing that you could have at home. And then seeing it too and remembering, hold up a minute. Obviously, this is what they use in all of the cafes. And I can get this at home I was like wow this is mental so I then spent the time um, practicing with it learning learning what it was uh, learning how it worked trying to understand it some more as well Um, and then that's where my espresso journey started and this was all before I was like 18 years old Um, it was definitely lucky I suppose because it was when I when I started to really get into coffee was when my parents, I suppose, started to drink coffee probably a bit more, um, and consumed it quite a lot more at home. Don't know if that's because they were looking after us as kids. Um, I am one of I'm one of five, so I'm the youngest in my family. I've got four sisters, um, so safe to say that my parents were definitely stressed. <laughs> so hats off to you, mum and dad. Thank you um so yeah they were definitely stressed which is why their coffee consumption was probably going through the roof but I appreciate that because it allowed me to understand what coffee was and also allowed me to um to find something that in a couple of years time was actually going to turn into something that I'd end up doing as a career and you know like I may not be working as a full-time barista at the moment but it's definitely coffee itself is definitely something that will never ever leave me and so that leads me perfectly onto the question that a lot of people ask me um, often is why did I become a barista now this is a very good question and there's a lot of answers for this now let me let me start by answering this question with me being um, quite honest vulnerable and open with you guys so um one of the main one of the main reasons why I wanted to become a barista was that because it was one of the only jobs where I felt like I would be comfortable being um and I know that sounds really weird to say and it's probably quite deep but um for those of you that know me well I actually have a stutter and um, I've had that stutter my whole life and um most of you who know me quite well will have heard me speak about it and will have potentially noticed it. But for those of you that don't particularly know me too well, you probably would never have noticed it, right? We all have things about ourselves that we don't particularly like um, or things that we wish we could change about ourselves. And that one thing is my stutter, Um and yeah, as I said, I've had it my whole life and I know it sounds weird to say that being a barista with a stutter is was the only place that made me feel comfortable, um, which I know that sounds weird to say, but it's because I thought to myself, well, I'll be hiding behind a machine and I potentially won't have to speak to people all the time. And boy, was I wrong. Um, <laughs> if you're not talking to your customers as a barista, are you actually doing like 80% of your job because at the end of the day being a barista so much of it is behind closed doors right so we dial in in the morning uh, we taste all those coffees we make sure they're tasting sweet we make sure they're tasting spot on for the customers that are that are going to be coming into your cafe at 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning whatever time you open and then when you do open to when you close you're talking to people you're um, you're giving them a service. You are interacting with them, you're asking them about their day. You know, you're talking to them. And I didn't really realize that that was actually such a big part of being a barista is actually talking to people. It's actually quite a scary thing when you've got a stutter and I think just being the face of being the face of a team, being the face of a cafe, the customer service you give when you're talking to somebody, will win them as a customer if they're there for the first time or will keep them coming back if they are a regular customer and I was I was so scared the very first time that I started working as a barista I got very nervous and so when I get nervous my stutter gets worse and so I thought to myself I was like man I'm going to make myself look really stupid I'm going to make the cafe look really stupid, the company look stupid and the customer will think, man, I'm not going back there because that guy's weird, Um, which I know sounds absolutely crazy but, you know, when when you don't feel that comfortable with something, when you're anxious about something, that's the thoughts that go through your mind all the time. Having my stutter and working as a barista, I thought to myself, okay, this is going to be a challenge. I know it's going to be hard but I can choose to embrace it or I can choose to just feel nervous all the time not come out of my shell um not be open with people not talk to people um and actually just come across as a really uh switched off guy um a switched off barista and somebody that doesn't understand customer service now that isn't me I'm a very Um, open person I'm very sociable I like to feel that I'm very approachable and relatable as well so I took it as a challenge to get over myself in a way get over that fear um, and also just to get used to talking to people because I needed to that was such a big part of my job and so that's one big reason why I wanted to become a barista is because I saw the I saw the life skills that I was able to get. Um, I saw what I was able to achieve um, through working as a barista with something that was such a was such a anxious point for me. And I was like, I can use this to my advantage because I can actually work on my stutter and I can get over it. I can put things into place that will help me with my speech and help me slow myself down at the same time. And so how my barista career started was that when me and my wife travelled to Australia in 2016, uh, we were based in Noosa for a couple of months, uh, which is in Queensland, uh, a beautiful, beautiful part of Australia. And for my birthday, uh, my beautiful wife treated me to to a beginner's home barista course which was uh, ran by um, the team and the roastery in Noosa that was called Clandestino Coffee Roasters. Um, very cool guys. I haven't heard much from them lately and I haven't interacted with them much, but I did a um, beginner's home barista course that uh, allowed me to get behind a machine, have a little bit of a taster, um, experience what it was like to pull my first espresso shot, um, steam some milk very, very badly, I should say, But to be fair, I was quite surprised because I was able to pour a love heart um, into into the glass to make a latte. I poured a love heart, which was amazing. And I didn't um, think that I would be able to do that. But that was, I suppose, down to the trainer that I had for that two to three hours. I think the course was and that just placed a little seed inside of me that allowed me um, to understand it a little bit more and be like, wow, okay, like I enjoyed the flow. I enjoy the process of making coffee, um, and I actually enjoyed the f- the thought of becoming a barista. So I was like, "This is this is something I'm gonna continue to work on." So I did, um, and I tried. I tried my best during our time in Australia, uh, which was which was just under a year. Um, as I said, we spent a couple of months in Noosa and then we moved off to Melbourne and spent the rest of our time in Australia in Melbourne. And uh, for those of you who know and are interested in the coffee industry, uh, Melbourne is the place to be in Australia when it comes to coffee. A lot of people will disagree and say that um, Sydney and Perth and all those other places are good for coffee. But let's face it. A lot of events and coffee happenings happen in Melbourne, in Australia. So I was very lucky to be there. Um, I tried my best to get myself into the industry, uh, tried to land myself a barista job. It was unsuccessful in most of them just because I didn't have the experience for it. But I saw that as a challenge, I suppose. And I was just like, this, this is this is a good time for me to just get myself into as many cafes as I can ask if there's anything that I can do, ask if they can train me, ask if I can learn from them, come in one day a week, volunteer some time. Um, Yeah, but I I just wanted to keep pushing. I wanted to keep learning. And then we moved and came over to New Zealand in 2017. And before we arrived in New Zealand, I spent a decent amount of time Really looking into the coffee culture and the coffee industry over here, and talking to a lot of um, Kiwis that were living in Australia at the time, and they were telling me that of course the coffee culture in New Zealand's massive. Um, it's really loved. It's pumping, and it's such a big part of New Zealand culture, and such a big part of the such a big part of the Kiwi lifestyle. And yeah, it wasn't until we arrived in 2017 into Wellington, and I just saw how many cafes were just. Spread out around this city, and I was like, This is crazy! I was like, There's a lot of cafes here, um, and just knew that I had to find the places where I knew I was going to enjoy the coffee, um, and then just work, work, and work, and just try my best to get into as many places as I could um, to really experience what the coffee industry was like over here in New Zealand. So, then, as I mentioned in the first episode, I Became a full-time barista in 2018, um, where I started out working at a um, small little hole-in-the-wall espresso bar that is called Fuel Espresso, based here in Wellington. They taught me the basics. Uh, They taught me everything I needed to know to be comfortable behind the machine, pulling shots and steaming milk and pouring the milk into the shots and understanding what it was to mix milk into a espresso shot and then as mentioned moved off to work at fellow cafe uh, which is where I really learned about the specialty coffee industry Uh, and it was a flight coffee customer so I uh, before I started working for fellow I I found out about flight coffee and knew that they were going to potentially be the place that I really wanted to work um, especially at their flagship cafe the hangar and I always viewed being a barista as a very a hipster hipster kind of job right which everyone does I suppose you see a barista they've got tattoos like myself and well I'm just going to put it down to like a male barista right they've got tattoos like myself they've got a beard they wear an apron uh, they've got a cap on they've got a beanie on or something like that and they just look really cool and it's that very Wellington hipster hipster vibe like I was young at the time still am I suppose Um, And it was fashionable, and it looked cool. And I just thought to myself, man, I really want to do this. Like, I really, really, really want to get into it. And so then, um, when I started working for Fellow, that's when I kind of pushed all of that fashionable, cool, hipster stuff aside, and was like, man, there is so much more to coffee that I don't know about. Um, There's so much more that I need to understand. um, And so much more that I really want to dive into. So um, that's what I did when I moved over to work for Fellow. Um, I really dived into the speciality scene, as mentioned. That's when I created uh, what I do now with the drum and barista. And I just, I just wanted to learn from as many people as I could. Try to get into as many coffee circles as I could. Uh, read as many coffee blogs as I did, so that I was constantly building my knowledge um, and just trying my best. Uh, every single day to make coffee to the best of my ability, training my palate, uh, training my skills when it came to latte art at the same time as well, because there is so much about coffee that I thought that I knew, but turns out I really didn't know anything. And then I moved off from Fellow, and then I landed a barista job uh, working for Flight Coffee at their flagship cafe, The Hangar. And that's where I was introduced to a whole different world of coffee. I was introduced to single origins on espresso i was introduced to batch brew i was introduced to actually being a better barista than i already was um i pride myself my skills before i moved off um from fellow to work at the hangar were good um and they were very high because i had a really good tutor and someone that was able to mentor me within those early days but yeah man Working at the hangar was a whole nother level of coffee. I'd never seen that many coffees in one place before. Um, I'd never really understood um, tastes and the importance when you dial in in the morning of weighing out your dose, of weighing the yield that you get from your dose, of course, when you distribute it and tamp it and pop it in, pop your filter into the machine. And then didn't never really took much notice about taste and how it sat um, in the mouth on the palate. Um, yeah, so man, that's where I was just opened up to so many different worlds, so many different ways of speaking about coffee, so many different minds when it came to coffee. And also many different opinions because everyone has their own way of doing it. Um, everyone has their own way of wanting to do it, uh, wanting to enjoy their coffee. Um, and then it was the very first time I was opened up to customers who weren't afraid <laughs> to come back and say, hey, my coffee doesn't taste that great today. Have you done something different? Um, yeah, it was it was a whole nother level. But man, am I thankful for everything I learned um, in that short space of time that I did spend at the hangar. Um, and I'm so thankful and grateful for the people that I met along the way, the people that shaped my career, the owners of Flight Coffee, all the trainers, all the roasters, um, all of the people that I got to work with in the hangar as well, the amazing team that we had there. Um, It was a sensational time. I want to take this opportunity, whilst we're all here talking and you guys are listening, to encourage you um, if if you're thinking about if you're thinking about getting into hospo, if you're thinking about getting into coffee or wanting to become a full-time barista, do it. Like, honestly, it's such a fantastic job, the things you can learn, the people that you meet, um, the personal and life skills that you'll learn from working as a barista and working in coffee and in hospo in general. Like, I don't just want to put this to coffee, right? This, from what I'm saying now, I want to put it out to all avenues of, So if you're working in a restaurant, event center, um, a bar, um, a cocktail bar, like just anything that is hospitality, customer service facing, if you're talking to someone, even if you're working in a supermarket, that's hospitality because you're talking to somebody, you're giving them a service and you're being hospitable to them because you're talking to them as you're scanning their shopping through the checkout. I encourage everybody... Even if you don't want to, give hospitality a try. Um, Become a barista, work in a restaurant, become a bartender. Trust me, you will learn so much about yourself and you will learn so much about the person that you thought you were and you'll learn a ton of new skills. You'll get so much more confident in yourself and confidence within yourself to be a better person at that. So I encourage everybody who is listening, if you're not involved in a hospital job, get into one. Trust me, you will not regret it. And so the second topic that I want to touch on um, in this podcast today is um, why did I get into the coffee industry? Because now I say that because there's a lot of people who will just be happy enough just working just working within a cafe and working as a barista, working as a front of house person, working as a runner, working as a dishy um but not potentially think about so those of you that are more focused on the coffee side um don't think about actually like there's so much more involved here than just working as a barista like you've got the whole of the coffee industry there's so much that happens within the coffee industry and so much going on in the coffee industry that so many people miss and i want to just touching that for this next half of the podcast and now the reason why I I really wanted to get into the industry is that I recognized and felt personally that becoming a barista like making that a full-time career is quite limited Um, and I personally do still feel like it is because a lot of the time people become a they start off as a trainee barista and then they become a barista and then they become a head barista and that's kind of where it ends unless you're focused on and would love to become like a cafe manager or like a full-time coffee trainer or consultant but at the end of the day within a cafe environment that's kind of where the barista progression ends trainee barista barista and then you become the head barista and so I knew I just had to get involved in other circles of the industry um, and I wanted to get involved in other circles of the industry so that I didn't hit a brick wall and I didn't feel like I would get to a point where I would then be regretting my decision of becoming a barista because I just hit a brick wall within my progression. So I just want to um, talk to people who are just thinking about becoming baristas or looking at starting a career in coffee one of my biggest recommendations would be to if you can straight away is to get involved with a cafe that is a coffee brand right so what do i mean by that now a brand or a company like flight coffee like supreme um havana um many other coffee Companies around the world that have a roastery attached to the brand or attached to the cafe. Because then, what that allows you and what that gives you is it gives you opportunity. It gives you a place to um, better yourself. It gives you a place to focus on um, other parts of your development, other parts of your development within being a barista and within the coffee industry. And they will open you up to being able to connect with other coffee brands and other baristas and other people around you because they will recognize the company that you work for and either love the company that you work for or know it already so they're keen to get alongside you and so then that builds this beautiful community of baristas and community of coffee lovers that will be there to to help you and will be there to take you to the next level within your coffee career. So that's why my my main focus for myself and my career and my coffee development was that I wanted to work for flight coffee. I made that a thing. I made that a dream. I made that a vision. And so I put that up there because I knew that what I would learn from them and the opportunities that I would have to learn would be fantastic and that they were going to be there for me if I was to ask for them because we had the space, we had the time, we had the opportunity, we had the roastery and we had professionals that have been in the industry for a very long time. That's why I made it a thing and made it a thing to get involved in many different circles as well. I know I talk about flight coffee quite a lot but that's that's my main career uh, point I suppose because that is where it all really kind of started for me really took off but I knew that I didn't want to give myself tunnel vision and just focus on everything flight coffee I wanted to connect with lots of different brands lots of different roasteries cafes coffee professionals influencers whoever it is that I was able to get alongside I wanted to get alongside them because as I mentioned before Everybody has a different take. Everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different journey. So the beautiful thing about surrounding yourself with like minded people is that the stories are different. So you can learn from them and then you can then take every little bit that they well not every little bit, but you can take certain bits from what they tell you and actually put it into your own journey. And then stuff will start making sense. You'll have you'll have a flashback whilst you're at work behind the bar where you will remember a conversation you had with a coffee professional or a coffee roaster or a different coffee brand and you'll be like, "Ah, oh, that's what they meant by that. I didn't understand it in the start, but that's what they mean by that now. And now you understand it because you've put it into a real life situation. And that's the beautiful thing about the coffee industry is that there's so many different people, so many different journeys and stories and brands, and they are all there to learn from. Now, of course, you may um, unfortunately pick them up at a bit of a bad time during the week where they haven't got time to sit down and talk with you or you're not able to go in and visit them but don't take that as them closing the door they're just telling you we don't have the time at the moment keep going back you know keep messaging them keep asking if you're able to come in and learn from them and be a part of what they're doing because that's what the coffee industry needs it needs people that are hungry. Um, to learn and it needs people that are hungry to bring what they've learned and ready to bring what they've learned into the real world and into what it is to be a barista behind the machine and one little piece of advice that I would love to give you to finish off this section of the podcast is the moment you think you know it all is when you stop learning right now somebody said that to me ages ago and whilst I was writing some notes about this podcast I was trying to think back to who that person was but for the life of me I cannot but I remember them saying it to me um, and it, it just it just stuck with me because it's so true that the moment you think you know it all is when you stop learning right because you're closed off you've closed your brain off because you have physically said to yourself I know everything I need to know I don't need to know anything else. And then that's when you hit the brick wall. That's when your development stops. That's when your learning stops. And that's when you stop becoming humble because you then think you're better than everyone else. And then someone else will come in who is actually better than you and has been doing it longer than you or knows something different to what you know. And then you become very bitter and then become the person that no one wants to work with. Yeah? Now... Probably quite heavy and sounds quite harsh, but it's true because I got to a point with that on terms of my music and on terms of my drumming um, where I thought I knew everything because I had learned all the basics. I went off to music college and um, spent two years deep dived into music, drums, everything that I was able to do um, and everything I needed to learn, I learned. And then that's when I thought I knew it all and thought I was becoming better than everyone else when actually I was quite far behind because I still hadn't learned it all. I just got taught some amazing things, but it wasn't everything I needed to learn, and there was still so much more to learn. So, the moment you think you know it all is when you stop learning. So there we go, guys. We've made it to the end of episode two. Thank you so much for hanging around and listening. I know there was a lot of talking in there, a lot of information as well, but I hope that you found it um, enjoyable. Hope you found it inspirational, motivational and encouraging. They are the main points that I would love for every single one of you To take away from every podcast episode that I'm gonna be releasing. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the first episode as well. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for all of the love, comments, and support that you have sent through either on Instagram, Facebook, however it is that you guys contact me. I appreciate it. And just before we finish up, I would love it if you haven't already to hit that follow or subscribe button on your chosen podcast platform of choice and share this podcast to all of your friends whoever it is that you think would benefit from hearing this podcast because that is what I would love to do with this is inspire so many people to enjoy fantastic coffee and understand the coffee industry just a little bit more so there we go guys thank you so much I hope you enjoyed and I will see you in the next episode.